0: My uncle owned a lake house on Lake Apakon, large lake in northern New Jersey. And we would go there a lot during the summer. Labor Day weekend, we would be there. We'd enjoy splashing in the water, doing all the things that you do at a lake house. And at nighttime, we'd get out the puzzles. Do we have anybody else in here who likes puzzles? Yeah, yeah. Love puzzles. Uh, thousand pieces in a box, right? Um, and, and try to put them together. And as many pieces and as many colors and shapes, there's only one solution, right? To every puzzle, there's one solution. We would work on them together into the night. And even to this day, um, we don't have that family uh, lake house anymore. But uh, my boys and I, when we get together with uh, my mother, we like to do a puzzle. It's a fun thing to do. Puzzles are about connections. About placing one piece in connection with another. And that's what Peter had a difficulty doing today's gospel. I mentioned that Peter, just last week, confessed that Jesus was the Son of God. Peter was able to put a check in that box. That Jesus was not just a teacher, was not just a prophet, but Jesus was God's Son, God's agent, The one who would show us what it meant to be part of the kingdom of God. He got that. Where Peter had trouble putting the pieces together was in part two. And that's what we have in front of us today. Peter had a hard time with checking follow the path of suffering and service. That's where things fell apart. Must you really? Must you really suffer and die? That was the question that Peter asked his friend. Got him along to the side. Must you suffer and die? Must this really happen to you? You are the son of the living God after all. And after all, God is powerful and filled with might. And God is above all things and to be worshipped. And must you suffer at the hands of the holy people of God? Is that really part of the plan? Jesus kind of comes back to Peter with his own sort of must you really. Peter, must you really not get it? After all this time, must you really still not get it? For you have seen me teach about the kingdom of God. You have seen me heal the suffering people that have followed us everywhere. And you have been present with me at the tables at the tables of tax collectors and sinners, you have seen me share the table fellowship, the blessings of God with those discarded and on the margins. Do you still not get it that God has come, that the Son of Man has come in order to suffer and to be a part of the suffering part of this world Yet behind me satan wow what a thing to say to your friend right what a thing to say and and i've always read this verse with the emphasis on the satan at the end right here's jesus calling his dear friend, the very one who just a few moments before, he was saying, you're the rock, you're the foundation on which I'll build my church. And now he's calling him the enemy, the Satan, the one who stands against God. Wow. But as I read it this week, I wonder if the emphasis is probably better put on behind me. Here's an invitation Jesus to Peter, to the church. Get behind me, follow me, walk in the paths that I have walked. Jesus corrects Peter. Jesus corrects Peter, teaches Peter that God is not his personal property. Hey, yeah, he understands who God is and who Jesus is. But that doesn't mean you take that knowledge and you hold it tight. And you use it for your own safety, security, and ego. God is not to be confined to any one of our boxes. God is bigger than our understandings of who God is. God is bigger than the understandings of the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's what gets Jesus in trouble with that group because their box was kind of narrow and they held that box closely. Jesus invites us to think bigger, to think that God, that God desires the redemption of the whole world. And that goes beyond our understandings of who God is. It goes beyond our denominational understandings of what it means to be a church. Yes, it even goes beyond our understandings of being a Christian. To include all people around the globe. For God desires a future. A future for All those who are suffering. And so much so that God chooses to be in solidarity with those on the margins and those who suffer. As a church, yes, we are called to put a check in the box. It says Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus, for us, is the best example of what it means To be God and godly. That Jesus in his life and his ministry. His death and resurrection. Shows us. A glimpse into the heart. Into the love of God. And as a church we're invited to put a check in the box that follows the path of Jesus, of suffering and service, to make the connection to that this God who loves us and who loves all people desires for service and community. Called to be. The church is called to be in this passage. It's called to be present in the margins among those who suffer. We're to think more about being with those who don't even have the courage to enter into the high school cafeteria. They're so filled with anxiety about being with others that they hide in the locker rooms and the restrooms during the lunch hour. We are called to be present as much and maybe more so to them than to the popular table of all the football players and the cheerleaders. We're called to be present in the margins. We are called as the church to be a voice for the hurting because the hurting people of this world don't have a voice. And they are ignored. And they're pushed to the side by those in power. The church is called to be present in those places where others cannot speak. We are called to be part of a community and not a club. And that's a hard one for the church. Because our understanding of church from generations has included being with people like us that like the similar kind of music that maybe are from a similar heritage, a club of folks. And you could have different churches in a town, but, you know, one would have the better music, and one would have the better coffee hour, and one would which club was doing better and this and that? Jesus invites us to leave that understanding of church as club in the past and instead embrace a community, a community that comes around the heart of God and seeks to be present and active in the community and the neighborhood beyond the doors of all the clubhouses in town. A missing piece. We'd have always one person in our family that would hoard a piece. You know, you get those people when you do puzzles with others that hold a piece, put it in their pocket, and then wait till the end and say, oh, I got the last piece. No one here today would do that. I'm sure of it. But it happens. The missing piece I wonder, I wonder if each of us as a baptized Christian is in part of the missing piece. I wonder what would it look like? What would it look like if we work together this coming ministry year? And if we work together for the sake of those not in the room but for the sake of those just outside the door in the neighborhood. What would it look like? What kind of picture would emerge? What would it it look like if we shifted our focus from members to neighbors as a church? What would that picture look like? I wonder. I wonder if we were less concerned with fitting into the past and all the glories that never were rather than being connected with the community that was concerned about God's future and the future of those in the margins and in the neighborhoods and beyond our doors. Let's not hold that peace tight, but let us share each of our lives as part of this community that confesses Jesus as the son of the living God and responds in acts of service and love to our neighbor. Amen.